2: Is your company about to be involved in a merger or acquisition? No matter what side of the deal you are on, this can be a daunting and very risky part of business. Welcome to Beyond Financials, the people side of mergers and acquisitions with Sonia Weigel. On each show, you'll hear from top executives representing a variety of industries. We'll discuss the success stories, best practices, and lessons learned that can help you engineer a smooth transition that's good for your business and celebrated by your people. Now, here's your host, Sonia Weigel. Hello,
0: and welcome to Beyond Financials, the people side of mergers and acquisitions. I'm your host, Sonia Weigel. Every week we come together to discuss the good, the bad, and the ugly of mergers and acquisitions with guests who bring expertise and seasoned experience to the conversation. Think of this as your once-a-week consulting hour where you can gain powerful insights and knowledge about the successes, failures, and lessons learned through the wisdom and experience of guests that each week come from a variety of industries and represent all sides of a deal. As the title indicates, we'll focus on the people side of M&A, specifically culture, behaviors, human capital strategy, and processes. How often have we seen deals that were beautifully architected from a finance or legal perspective only to fall apart post-close because of culture clashes? My firm, SWC Management Consulting, works with companies every day to navigate the very important but often tricky world of organization transformation. We help our clients ensure these transformations are executed flawlessly and in a way that drives the success of their business. I really love getting to work with our clients to bring tangible impacts through human resources. Helping companies to harness the most important asset, their people, is why I do this. It's my hope to use this radio show as a platform to help many of you in the same way. By hosting an interactive show that gives the listening audience access to the best minds in this business for the benefit of themselves and their companies. So if during the conversation today you have a question or you'd like to contribute to the discussion, please feel free to call in or email us. You can also reach me via email after the show if you like. Okay, let's get the conversation started. I have with me today Dan Fitzpatrick, who is President of Citizens Bank of Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Delaware, and Head of their National Mid-Corporate and Industry Verticals. Dan is a commercial banking executive with more than 25 years of experience. He serves on Citizens Financial Groups, Executive Leadership Group, and is former Chairman of the Greater Philadelphia Chamber of Commerce, and serves on its Executive Committee and its CEO Council for Growth. As chairman of the CEO Council Human Capital Working Group, Dan has focused on the development of programs and initiatives aimed at workforce development in order to facilitate economic growth and employment opportunity in the region. Dan's also a member of the board of the Allegheny Conference on Community Development and a member of the Heinz History Museum Board of Directors in Pittsburgh. Dan earned a bachelor's degree in business administration from LaSalle University, and an MBA from Drexel University. He's also a CPA and a Chartered Financial Analyst. Hello, Dan. Welcome, and thank you for being here.
3: john it's great to be here with you today.
0: <clears throat> so, first, tell us a little bit about Citizens Bank and its role as a trusted advisor in the M&A space.
3: Sure. Well, Citizens Bank is a $148 billion asset-sized bank. We're about the 13th largest commercial bank in the country, um, and it's very strong middle market banking platform for a commercial bank, big retail bank, predominantly in New England, the Mid Atlantic, uh, through the Midwest, but uh, really built out of a great strength in middle market uh, lending and relationships that are really about being a trusted advisor to great middle market companies, both great family businesses as well as public companies.
0: So, how would you define? So, everyone talks about the middle market, right? As sort of a nebulous kind of thing. Sure. You know, how would you define what size companies are we looking at in terms of revenue?
3: Sure, it is a great question, Sonia. We would really view the middle market as companies with revenues between 50 million and 1 billion. Mm-hmm. We certainly bank companies with below fifty million in revenue, and certainly lots of public companies well north of one billion. But I think that true middle market is right in there. I think the other attributes of how you define the middle market too is you know privately held family business um, that's made regional and focus. Could be three billion in revenues, but it really has to feel a middle market company. And of course we have some high flying public companies with fifty million in revenue that would be treated differently, maybe than national industry vertical. But generally I'd say that one hundred million to one billion is, is really that sweet spot of middle market banking.
0: Next. Cool thing about Philly—at least this is a middle market town. (laughs) Got a a couple of three, you know, sort of large marquee big corporations, but you know there is a healthy representation of that middle market that's here. Uh, But one of the things that I was surprised to learn about in reading about citizens and what you guys do and the reach that you do with with your national practice of with your head. Of, of the industry verticals with, the, with that middle market. Right. So, you know, this really is a relevant conversation sure. from a national perspective as well.
3: Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, the, the, prof- the perspective that Citizens Bank is taking is that we're a really strong middle market company and, again, a, a very strong trusted brand, again, in the Mid-Atlantic and, and New England and parts of the Midwest. But as we think about our value proposition, we believe, can be very good for companies in California and Texas selectively, and we really felt the best way to add value there was through an industry vertical. If we're going to you know, develop relationships with companies in California, let's go with our tech, media, telecom expertise, or our healthcare expertise, or our aerospace and defense expertise, or our oil and gas expertise, as opposed to just being a generalist. I think that... Um, that's not that's not just a middle market practice. That will run the gamut from you know companies with EBITDA of say 20 million dollars to very large uh, large cap companies. But in our in our deep in our footprint, this is where Citizens Bank has you know some decades old relationships. In Philadelphia, we have some great clients that we've celebrated well over 100 years of doing business together. So it's it's terrific to have those deep legacies. But at the end of the day, it's about can you be that trusted advisor to that family. Uh, Oftentimes, these companies, again, have been in families for generations and generations. And, of course, that's one of the most difficult challenges family businesses face. And that's where um, a trusted, relationship-oriented commercial bank that then has added strong capabilities in the capital markets, aspects of Mm M&A and leverage finance, dividend recapitalizations, ESOPs, uh, to really provide that array of all those different options as well as you know, ultimately M&A and p- potential sale or partnership with whether it's private equity or a family office, some other source of growth capital as they work through oftentimes generational transition issues.
0: Right. Yeah, those are unique to, to the middle market for sure. Right. Um, so interestingly, Citizens recently published a report called Citizens Middle Market M&A Outlook which took a deep look into the behaviors, attitudes, and perceptions of business owners and CEOs as they consider their corporate development strategies for the coming year. So what's in the mind of these market uh, decision makers? um, And
3: and tell me a little more about the the report itself. Sure. No, sure. So yeah, the the report, this is our sixth annual. middle market M&A outlook. So what we are doing is this is a, a survey of 600 decision makers. This is CEOs and or CFOs of middle market companies. And, again, that would run, run the gamut from, you know, we'd say sort of the larger companies being over 500 million in annual revenue and the smaller being below 500 million in revenues. But it's a good cross-section of companies in that in that size range and basically what they are feeling as far as their outlook, as far as whether they are sellers of their business and or buyers and and, and acquirers of other businesses. So it's been terrific. And we've been able to, through our capital markets group, uh, run this survey and really track those sentiments year after year, how contrast and compare. And so, um, What's noteworthy, as for the survey we did in fall of 2016, which we released in December of 2016, was the fact that there is a greater expectation for M&A activity in the middle market, both for sellers and buyers, which ultimately we expect will lead to more deal flow, but we'll see if that, that plays out.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because it's consistent with um, what I'm seeing around M&A activity overall. You know, it was certainly a friendly environment in 2016, but coming into 2017, uh, the expectations are certainly that the conditions will be even that much more favorable for M&A in general. But M&A in the middle market space is unique right. because uh, the drivers that um, lead people to make the decision to sell or to buy, you know, I, I'm finding that um, organizations in the, of the middle market size are increasingly um, of the thought that perhaps the best way to grow and the fastest way to grow now is going to be inorganic growth through acquisition. And that's the best way to capture that that additional revenue that you want, that additional infrastructure that you want, um, to get into additional lines of business. And so um, it's great that all of this is sort of coming to bear and it's going to be a great, uh, lots of activity in that space. But there are issues around people and behaviors and culture that are really unique to the to the middle market space, that um, as much as it's not considered in the larger right. transactions, right. Well, <laughs> can tend to um, sort of be overlooked even that much more so in the middle market. What are your thoughts on that?
3: No, sure, Sonia. And we, we completely agree with your assessment of where the market is. Um, yeah, I think that for, where, where we're coming out from an economic environment perspective, right, we've come out of the, what was, you know, the great recession of 08, but uh, a bit of a recovery that's been running at about you know, 2 to 2.5% two GDP growth for year. So what we've seen is a lot of middle market companies, as they're trying to grow organically, it's gotten more difficult. What they've done to improve earnings is a lot of efficiency, automation. Um, but we're starting to see, of course, across the economy, productivity gains have, have slowed down. So in order to, again, get growth, Um, it is going to be through acquisition. Oftentimes we're seeing with larger middle market companies, the motivation is market share. Maybe you're taking out a competitor, you're consolidating to hopefully create additional margin uh, in that space. And I think for the smaller companies, it's about a capability. There's a product set that they lack, and it's a lot easier to acquire a company with that complementary product set than it would be to develop it themselves. So they're, they're the reasons we're buying. But to your good point, Ultimately, it's about people. Well, you know, Middle market companies don't trade on big brand names like the large caps uh, that we would all know so well do. They, they, they deliver their services through relationships that have been established oftentimes over decades with their clients. So again, to your point, in an acquisition, if that relationship deal with those customers, if you acquire that company and lose that that connectivity of the selling company – You've lost a lot of value, and, and again, so much of this is uh, we we talk about automation, we talk about product sophistication, but ultimately, people are still doing business with people, yeah. and making sure that that trust is there, that follow up um, uh, is there is really important, and that's that's the big risk of losing that in an acquisition.
0: the um, The interesting thing is that the people part of it <clears throat> is typically. where we're loaded behind you know we focus on okay is this legally put together the way we want do the financials make sense and you know and, and off we go right (laughs) <laughs> but at the end of the day, if culturally there isn't an alignment, particularly mm-hmm. with this, you know, the blended. What is the definition of the blended culture? Once you put these two together, right. um, how how do you ensure that we're not losing all kinds of productivity because people can't figure out what their ways of working are now, where they can't align their values or you know what made them successful prior to the transaction right. is now something that's not necessarily well received, you know, in 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 the past and. Um, you know, I'm I'm not sure most organizations think about talking with their banker
2: right.
0: about these kinds of things. Right. But um, I'm certain that you've got things to think about and things to say on, on that regard as well. That I, I'm really interested in uh, in hearing about. So why don't we why don't we take a break? And uh, when we get back, we'll kind of get into the banker's view That's <laughs> right. That's right. on uh, on on culture and behavior and the impact that these things have on these transactions. Great. Thanks, friends. We will be right back with Dan Fitzpatrick of Citizens Bank after a few minutes. Thanks. Follow us on Twitter at Voice America TRN Get the lowdown on guests, you shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN.
4: Higher education faces lots of changes. If you are a student, educator, or in the workforce, You'll want to tune into Big Beacon Radio, transforming higher education. Your host, Dave Goldberg, and his guests will explore the innovations that higher education adopts as it reinvents itself. The world of higher education is constantly changing. Stay on top and stay ahead of the rest. Big Beacon Radio, transforming higher education. Listen Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Are you a business innovator or are you just sitting on the sidelines?
2: America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are tuned in to Beyond Financials, the people side of mergers and acquisitions with Sonia Weigel. To reach our program today, please call 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to info at sweigelconsulting.com. Now, back to Beyond Financials, the people side of mergers and acquisitions.
0: And welcome back, everyone. I'm sitting here with Dan Fitzpatrick, president of Citizens Bank of Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Delaware. And we're talking about the middle market space and the um, the role that mergers and acquisition plays in that very unique um, industry. Uh, before the break, we were sort of talking about some of the unique challenges that the M and A space faces. And I think one of the things that's most interesting that's sort of unique to M and A uh, to the middle market is the family owned company, and some of the special issues that they have in terms of just passing it from one generation to the next, and how do you reward um, and, and engage employees um, from that perspective? So so what are your thoughts on that sure. unique sort of family business, and what are they looking at a, as an
3: outlook? No, absolutely, Sonia. The, the, the entrepreneurs that oftentimes have built these great family businesses um, This is their baby. That company is their baby. They take so much personal pride in that uh, as well as a real sense of duty, not just to themselves and and pride in the company, but to the great employees that they've had. These these entrepreneurs understand that great companies aren't built by one or two people. It's built by teams of, of workers coming together and so that in those social issues of and if if you're thinking about the selling of a family business because again you may have the generational issues there may not be any long any family members interested in running the company or participating which is which is fine and then you can have outright sale of the company to a strategic buyer uh, or to a financial uh, sponsor. But one of the other uh, things, uh, and we do a lot of work in that space, and we'll talk more about that, but one of the other interesting things we're seeing is a very hot trend right now that we do a lot of work in is the ESOP because, again, how um, a lot of these entrepreneurs want to make sure they're rewarding the employees that help build the company, the Employee Stock Option Plan or the ESOP helps them give – Part of the ownership back to the employees um, it takes it's a really complex financial transaction that you know there's specialized law firms that, that will help on the legal work but certainly we at citizens bank and citizen capital markets and we're helping on the consultative side of putting these together and also the structured financing the leveraging uh, of that esop to make sure that there's sufficient liquidity and cash flow but what happens is you over time the ESOP can continue to grow its ownership of the, of the firm to where that uh, entrepreneur gets his, um, his or her payday, but over time, but sees the company continue in the hands of the people that helped build it. So it's just a very interesting way because, again, it's that very personal part of the business that allows uh, entrepreneurs to, to keep it in the hands of the, com- of the, of the employees.
0: Sure. Yeah. And, it, and it's nice to know that um, you can talk to your banker about right. these sort of issues because, I mean, really, that's succession planning. Right. And, you know, what I have found with family, um, family-owned businesses in, in that middle market space is that, you know, the question of succession... And how do, we, um, how do we keep this going, right? So, right. so you know, a place like Philadelphia where we've got multiple, multiple generations. Right. We've got family-owned businesses here that have been around since the 1800s. <laughs> right. That's right. And, uh, you know, I, I was talking with the CEO yesterday, and one of the things that he considers to be critically important is that this business, which is not his, it's not his family business, but it is, you know, been this family business since the 1800s, you know, so it's been around 140 years. Right. I can't be the one.
3: Right. <laughs> yeah, that's right.
0: <laughs> that's right. It doesn't turn it over to the next oh, yeah. to the next generation. And so, you know, the the sort of the succession planning, but the, the planning for the growth and sustainability of the business uh-huh. is is a highly financial
3: Absolutely. Factor. Absolutely. Well, you know it's so interesting, Sonia, you mentioned you know, the the commercial banker and the role. What what's really evolved in commercial banking and in, in particular at Citizens Bank is it used to be bankers, a middle market banker would call himself a lender, a lender of, of huh? loans, right, and, and capital. We don't say that anymore. We're now we're relationship managers who work with a team of professionals to bring the best solutions to a client, and that's what we do. So that's what our relationship managers have these deep understandings of a, of a client, not just their financials and their operations, but who, who they are as people, what makes them tick, and that's that deep understanding. And so, what we've done at Citizen Bank in our capital markets business is add really strong middle market M and A professionals, really strong middle market leverage finance professionals. So that whatever, and then obviously the the full array of products, whether it's foreign exchange expertise or interest rate protection expertise, that is all part of it as well. But but it really is that specialized. But what it is is the relationship manager and those team leaders who bank dozens of companies themselves, but then they have the expertise of these partners, capital market specialists, who see literally hundreds and hundreds of transactions in the course of a year and can bring that collective experience to bear for that that particular family business and what their challenges and opportunities are. So as somebody like myself who leads these businesses literally have a few thousand clients, so it's really it's fascinating to see the wonderful stories of American entrepreneurism that has occurred over decades, decades, and continues uh, certainly through today. Uh, but in helping those in those the transitional challenges as well as those growth challenges, right? There's liquidity events, um, there's tr- uh, generational transitions, but then it's also growth capital. Yeah. If you want, if you have a great business, there's opportunities to grow. Where do you get that growth capital? Because it can't all be debt. Sometimes it's equity, and that's where you move into what are those other sources of equity capital without short of doing an IPO.
0: Right, 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 which is a little harder in the middle market. That's right. <laughs> yeah, a, lot of,
3: a lot of, a little, a little more costly, uh, and obviously culturally a dramatic change yeah. from uh, from being a, Private family
0: company. <laughs> yes, yes. I actually I helped a um, privately owned little market company go for an IPO, and that was an
3: interesting, <laughs> interesting process. Speaking of culture, stuff.
0: <laughs> 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 myself included. Um, well, you know, it's lovely to hear you talk about the, the title relationship manager, given the topic that we're talking about mm-hmm. and the sort of the people side of these things. Right. It's really nice. To think of that, I mean, you know, lender has right. a whole different, right. a whole different connotation. So that that's really, um, I think, fantastic. So let's talk a little more about the the report and some of the predictions that sure. you guys were able to uncover. Because right. very interested to know what this is going to look like for our middle market companies this year.
3: Yeah, it's it, it's interesting because I mean, one really noteworthy statistic on it was the fact that the number of companies that are saying that they are actively involved in, in an acquisition or serious consideration of one, it jumped up to 82%. I mean, wow. from, you know, prior years, it would have been about 50% that are open to one or two. So, so the, the pace of activity is clearly there. Um, that that's really interesting. Um, I think the, where we are from the seller's perspective, I think that, um, where we were valuations were seen as pretty healthy and getting to a point, um, but that the cycle, their ability to grow the company any further probably was
1: mm-hmm. running
3: out of gas. I mean, you know, we're sort of at, in, in a lot of ways, so we're late in, a, in an economic expansion as yeah. well. So a lot, a lot of thoughts like that into uh, going into the seller's um, motivation, as well as, you know, the number one attribute, though, candidly, was uh, owner fatigue. It, okay. it really is that the, the entrepreneur as saying, I've taken the company as far as I can, I'm looking for retirement in next phase of, of my life. I need a liquidity event. Um, and I think times aren't gonna be any better from a valuation's perspective, financeability perspective. Um, I think also what's interesting, you know, the, the, you know, obviously we had a huge election uh, in, in the fall, and, and so expectations of tax policy are different now. And of course we have a huge amount of uncertainty. Nobody knows where that exactly goes. But I think that there was one uh, um, in the survey. What came out in the survey was an expectation that maybe capital gains rates weren't going to go any lower. They may have gone higher, that motivation. So there's a little bit now, I think, from the tax policy, there's a little bit of a wait and see. But I think those underlying motivations for the sellers are still there.
0: Yeah, I think it's, um, it's an interesting time because um, perhaps we have the largest block of business owners who tend to be at that age where they're looking mm-hmm. to transfer, but there's nobody really to transfer it to. Right. And and the, the future of the business and the scalability is dependent in large ways on things that are entirely different from how they got the business to where it was. That's might. right. Right? And so that plateau that you hit things have to fundamentally change to right. get you up to that next level to support those valuations and perhaps the capital that you need to, to, right. to grow the business. And so, you know, I'm interested, um, you know, from a relationship manager sure. perspective, sure. how important is management team and um, skill sets and, and those kinds of things um, you know, when, when you're evaluating a sure. you deal in terms of
3: getting involved. So, it's a, it's a great question and what we would say is that we don't bank companies, we bank management teams. It really is all about the we were saying the whole theme of this conversation is about people and it really is from a credit decision, you know, the financial analysis is is you know, once you know how to do it, it's it's pretty rote. You just do it, but being able to size up and and evaluate a management team is is a a whole other skill set, but that's what it really is about. It's about do they have the vision uh, of of a future for the company? Um, Is there a need for the product set? Are they evolving their product or service offering? I mean, all those those attributes are there as well as the commitment to the business because ultimately – We say, you know, that it's people that repay, you know, if we make a loan, in the case of a loan, it's Mm -hmm. people that repay the loan, not the company. They need to continue to drive it. So that's the thing. It's all about uh, surveying that. And that's the thing where, as it comes into the M&A, to the the point you raised, the M&A becomes a big part of that. Oftentimes what you need to acquire is some technical expertise or a particular managerial skill set, that, again, where two companies coming together, one plus one can equal three, oftentimes it's not just the revenue or the client list. It is that management know-how, and I think that's also a, a business that we're very active in and helping our clients with um, is within private equity, I kind of look at a different class of private equity, we us say really are family offices. Yeah. Uh, firms that are will be interested in say minority stakes in a company as opposed to majority stakes in the company. And what they bring is not just that growth capital or that liquidity event, but that opportunity to provide management expertise to the to the entrepreneur.
0: It's interesting um, to know that uh, you can get that sort of advice and that sort of. Um you know, forward thinking around structure right. and growth strategy right. from your banking relationship. That's, you know, and, I, and it's, it's, it's comforting to know that, um, that these are the things that you consider in terms of, you know, banking for people or lending to people as opposed to just the transaction because I think that really is the right. difference between, you know, how things succeed or, you know, or, you know, in 80% of the cases, you know, how, yeah. how these mergers or acquisitions fail. Yeah. So let's take another quick break. And um, uh, we will pick up the conversation there in just a few minutes. Uh, really grateful to have you here. This is an awesome conversation so far. Uh, we will be right back with Dan Fitzpatrick at Citizens Bank after a few minutes. Thank you.
2: Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7.
4: If you are in the sales field or maybe don't even know that you are, you need a plan to be successful. Every day we are engaged in business and don't even realize that it all comes down to sales. We all have something to say and need to motivate others to the same way of thinking. Sales execution optimization. The new SEO is the show that gets you thinking and speaking whatever the product or service. Host Bill Bush will give you the tips you need to succeed. Listen every Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time. One p.m. Pacific on Voice America Business.
3: Savvy business owners, learn how auspicious timing can have a positive influence on business decisions and strategies. You can achieve your goals while creating a competitive edge in your given field. Tune in to Illuminating Feng Shui with host Kathleen Zamansky, where classical feng shui and Chinese metaphysics work together to help you discover your strengths and use them at the right times. Tune in every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific time, 6 p.m. Eastern time. On the Voice America
2: Business Channel.
1: Are you pursuing your passions in business? Is your purpose integrated into your brand? Are you telling your story? Building a thriving business stems from authentic communication that serves your audience, champions big ideas, and generates big impact. Learn how to grow your business in a more meaningful way by tuning into The Soul Shull Hour with host Francis Leary. It's more than business development. It's soul and inspiration, too. Listen live every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern on Voice America Business.
2: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to Beyond Financials, the people side of mergers and acquisitions with Sonia Weigel. To reach our program today, please call 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to info at sweigelconsulting.com. Now, back to Beyond Financials, the people side of mergers and acquisitions.
0: Hello, welcome back, everybody. I'm here with Dan Fitzpatrick of Citizens Bank, and we're talking about mergers and acquisitions in the metal market. Let's switch our focus to different characteristics of capital. So um, private equity, as an example, is something that um, I think is picking up a lot of steam. You know, I think after the sort of financial collapse, a lot of people were holding on to their powder and, and there's some capital that needs to be put to work, and private equity seems to be a great way to do it. Where does Citizens Bank fall uh, from a private equity perspective, and how do you guys utilize that tool to help the middle market?
3: Sure, Sonia. Well, Citizens Bank and our citizen capital markets, um, bank is very active in the private equity markets as far as really trying to help connect great middle market businesses, uh, with good financial buyers. Um, you know, per Thompson Reuters, uh, lead tables uh, for 2016 citizens bank was the third largest, uh, uh, book runner of middle market-sponsored leverage finance deals. So all the uh, companies, the banks with a couple trillion dollars in assets were far below us on that line. And that that just emphasizes the point that Citizens Bank has great expertise in the middle market with great family companies and small public companies, and then putting them together with the, with the right people combinations uh, within the private equity community. So I mentioned you know the, the, those private equity groups that have much more of the dimensions of a family office, though mean you know, they'll maybe there's fewer actual investors in the fund, and what will be distinguished those that we consider family offices are longer hold periods. Okay. oftentimes they're it's the money uh, earned by some entrepreneur who sold his business yep. or her business, and then they're coming to the say, but they want to reinvest in great manufacturers okay. in in the u s okay. things like that, so they really have that interest in seeing. Great companies thrive and grow, so they provide great growth capital. Again, sometimes it's a 30% interest. Sometimes it's an 80% interest. But usually the one thing, usually it's not 100% interest Mm -hmm. because, to the point, they understand that the management teams they're partnering with are a key driver of the future success, and they want their buy-in. They want that vested interest of working with them. So for many of our middle market clients, this is a great fit for them culturally it provides the liquidity event for the family, for their financial planning, uh, for their generational planning, as well as the fact that it's growth capital, uh, as well as then also bringing some of that expertise. that somebody who's going to come on in their, a board of directors for them and really uh, help, hopefully take, help take the company to the next level. So it's a really important business that Citizens Bank and, and Citizens Capital Marketing really thrives in and really leads in.
0: So how often do you see... For, so, for those in our listening audience that are the owners of founders of a middle market company contemplating a transaction, how often do you see um, the need for a requirement for that manager or owner to stay with the business for some period of time? After the transaction is done, because we we know that skill set, that institutional knowledge, that culture piece is so important. How often does that?
3: Happen? Uh, I would say sounds a great question. I'd say very frequently these days, because you know private equity is they're 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 pretty smart people, okay. and they realize that oftentimes where the the acquisitions they've made in the past did not work out is because the management team did not stay with the business was not fully vested in the continuation of the business, uh, and that can be a real downfall and that's why I think they're always looking at for the management oftentimes to keep a material stake i mean twenty percent equity being considered a material stake uh, in the business um, so that that's why I think it's much more common to keep some some uh, you, know, for, you know the skin in the game because it because it is there it, it should be a partnership and I think that's where the good front, the good uh, private equity groups um Do that well. The reality is, as as you know, the private equity world is a really big world. There's thousands of middle market um, sponsors out there bidding for great middle market companies. So when when our great uh, clients are looking for that financial sponsor partner, they have lots of choices. Yeah. Valuations will be, we'll all work on the, the fairness opinions, the valuations, make sure there's a fair valuation of the business on the financial side of it, but ultimately they're competing to win the hearts and minds, hearts and minds. of the entrepreneur to actually win the transaction, and that's where the, that ability to sell, that this will be a partnership over the next several years is, is a key ingredient for the, for the financial buyer to win the, to win the mandate.
0: It's so well said. You know, I I have um, seen so many transactions where the owner will turn away. I mean, you know, there was a time when the idea of turning away capital was just, right. you know, or turning away a, you know, a, a deal. This wasn't, you know, but but if 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 the owner doesn't feel a chemistry connection
3: mm-hmm.
0: with the new potential owner, uh, you know, it's it's dead in the water.
3: Yeah. Well, it's not, it's a really critical point, and it's a big distinction, I think, between family-owned middle-market companies and public companies. Yeah. Public companies, uh, you know, uh, the street is a is a strict disciplinarian on those quarterly earnings. It's really a lot about the facts. Obviously, public companies have to have great strategies, and but but it's really um, uh, that that discipline is there. Now, family business is one have good discipline in their operations, but to your point, most of these entrepreneurs have been successful. They've made good money to date. It's to them, it's not all about the money. You know, if you're a public company, that quarterly, you've got to hit your numbers on a yeah. quarterly basis. That's just a, that's just a reality of, uh, of the public markets, and everyone accepts that. But in, if you're a private company, it is about those other um, non-financial issues and making sure that your key employees are taken care of. There's a loyalty to, that, these, uh, that things are done the right way, and that becomes a really big part of these M&A transactions in the middle market.
0: So, an owner wants to sell his business, her business, and so one of the things that, you know, is a reality now is, you know, you should expect to stay on for some period of time Mm -hmm. after the transaction. What other things should CEOs be contemplating as they, um, what should they be aware of? What are things that they should be um, on the lookout for? They like consider, you know, maybe selling or acquiring something, or
3: sure. Well, I think it's interesting. I think we've, we've talked a lot about on the selling side, and obviously the other side of this M and A survey is is the buyer side as yeah. well, and and looking for growth. And I think that's where. Um, the buy side is, is probably a little bit more challenging, right, because that's that's when our middle market company taking the financial risk of doing the acquisition, creating that liquidity event for somebody else. Yeah. And, and that's where um, – I think that's where uh, M&A help is helpful. I think it can be a buffer in the negotiations, getting the right valuations done, but also using some consultants also on getting behind the the, the operating company that you're acquiring, doing the, the trade checks, Um that, that's, that's really critical. Most good middle market companies run their business extremely well, but they don't have legions of uh, business corporate development personnel to be out there doing full-time diligence. And I think that's where um, your financial partners, whether it's a citizen's bank or, or you know, the, working with the, your accounting firm, to help do that diligence because it's really making sure that you understand uh, that, that acquired company inside out, both the people and, and the operations because, again, that's where, as opposed to cashing out, you're cashing in mm-hmm. <laughs> on, on the buy side. And I think that's where we're, we're, we love our, we love to see our clients in that growth mode and want to help. But, obviously, it's making sure you've, you've all the diligence is done is, is the critical component there.
0: Yeah, and then to be able to prove that growth story. Right. So you you know you can um,
3: sort of predict all you want. <laughs> right. Yeah, oh, absolutely, son. Because as we we're saying <clears throat> that <clears throat> from a from the selling side, the financial buyers want somebody to have a, a vested interest in there. I think it's the same thing when you're the middle market company doing the acquisition of another company, making sure what is that same lesson being learned. If there's a component of relationship continuity that's needed for that to be successful, making sure that you have the buy in of the, the seller that they will stay in there, be, behave correctly, and, and fully motivated to, to see this transaction be successful. Usually, you know, five years is sort of that transition to where, okay, once the mergers occurred, it's, you know, they've become a merged entity. But it takes a few years to get to that place.
0: Yeah, and five years even sounds like a long time in this current environment not a lot of people have that kind of uh,
3: <laughs>
0: tolerance for that uh, that growth strategy so what else can you tell me about the survey and what it uncovers from an, uh, outlook perspective
3: yeah I think I think what is interesting um, is from the from the we all do you know we all Read a lot about economic reports and we all have our different opinions, but it's interesting in the survey that the business, the middle market business owners clearly had a, a sense that we were moving towards the end of the cycle. There's interesting, so I know you read the, where there's a concern about, you know, is there another financial crisis in the offing in a couple years? That was something of a motivator um, on the sell side. Um, so, so I think that that was a very interesting uh, perspective and obviously where we're at a point now, um, you know, a lot, a lot of uncertainty on policy, and, as we said earlier, on tax policy and, you know, expectation of tax policy is a big driver and a factor in not just will MA and happen, but also on the valuations. Yes. So I think there's, um, I think we will see that uh, motivation of buyers and sellers alike continue into the 2017 but I think there's a little bit of that cautious. Uh, I think we it, collectively there's a cautious optimism economically, but there, that wait and see aspect is going to be in there because there's a lot of policies being debated right now that could have a big difference on you know economic viability of certain deals.
0: Well, apparently, yesterday, according to the Ways and Means Committee, they're working on it. So <laughs> <laughs> we've been- there. Is that hope? But if I'm going to trying to secure some capital. You know, what, are, what are you advising the folks that work for you around these very same uncertainties? So are you preparing for a, a, a shrinkage in um, available capital because perhaps the risks are getting increasingly more? How, how are you advising your
3: folks in that well, we, we, we are at Citizens Bank, we're uh, advising our clients right now is that the debt capital markets are about as good as they've ever been yeah. right now. And so we believe that you know the, the bird in the hand is better than two in the bush. Is that right now is a great time to lock in your long term financing, whether it's a five year revolving credit facility, whether it's a five year term loan from the bank market, or it can be uh, what's what we have right now is a extremely hot bond market. The bond market is, you know, I mean, what you have right now is the ten year Treasury has moved to you know right around two point five percent and kind of hovering. Uh, at that level, but there's an expectation that rates will only rise from here if you have yeah. stimulus or you know infrastructure spend things like that. I think that's where we really across the board people are thinking this is a pretty good time to lock in money. We are advising our clients: let's renew your credit facilities, let's lock them up for under these today's terms and conditions yeah. for five years. It's probably about as as good as it gets. Mm-hmm. Um, and again interest rates with a general expectation that the Fed would continue to move and obviously uh, long-term rates, I think you're in a little bit more of a flattening of the curve, but yeah. still upward pressure on long-term rates. So uh, we are seeing a lot of activity right now. And again, one of the things that we are very active with is the institutional um, term loan market, which will be, you know, bank... Deals will all have some financial covenants on that normal relationship banking approach, uh, but there's a lot of institutional money that's not the bond market. It's going to be a private market, uh, but it'll have maybe seven-year terms as opposed to a five-year term in the bank market, maybe no covenants at all. Um, so it's a, it's a different kind of investor, but all those markets are very wide open right now and very aggressive, mm. so we're, we're bringing a lot of clients to the various, whether it's the bank market, institutional term market, or the, the bond market.
0: Very good to know. Very good to know. Well, let's, let's take another break, and when we come back, um, we'll turn to um, what I like to call the consulting part and we'll talk about some best practices and anecdotal stories and other things that you've seen sure. That are, I'm sure very interesting. So let's take a quick break here with Dan Fitzpatrick of Citizens Bank. We'll be back with you in just a few minutes.
2: If you are a small business owner or a creative freelancer in pretty much any field, you can't miss Let's Get Radical. Your hosts, Jody Pedar and Liz Gold, will help you redevelop your plans, policies, and practices to take a radical turn in order to achieve new success. They spotlight the latest in technology, attitudes, what others are doing, and what can help you. Tune in every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. And let's get radical.
1: How is your work-life balance? In most businesses, no matter where you are positioned, there is always room for improvement. If you're an executive, learn insight about your business. Are you an employee? Learn how to better work with your team. Even if you're not in business, you can learn where your strengths and weaknesses can be played to their best potential. The Work Life Balance with host Rick Morris can be heard live every Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel.
4: Do you find yourself working tirelessly to keep your business going? Are you finding out that you don't have time for family, friends, any kind of personal life whatsoever?
2: The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to Beyond Financials, the people side of mergers and acquisitions with Sonia Weigel. To reach our program today, please call 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1 866 472 5790. You may also send an email to info at sweigelconsulting.com. Now, back to Beyond Financials, the people side of mergers and acquisitions. Well,
0: hi, everybody. Welcome back. Here with Dan Fitzpatrick at Citizens Bank. And what I'd like to do now is uh, go to sort of the consulting part of our hour. So um, as everybody knows, I like to make sure that we provide some measure of lessons learned and best practices so that um, the time that you spend here with us is is well um, well earned. And so I'm going to ask you, Dan, if there's anything that you can, uh, any words of advice, any best practices that you've seen, any sort of anecdotal stories that can sort of clearly demonstrate the, the way to go, you know, or, you know, perhaps the way not to go. But <laughs> I'm sure you've seen a lot of deal flow as yeah. opposed to people in this
3: space. Well, well Sonny, it, it, it's, it is interesting. We've been saying that the people part is so important. And, and having been doing this nearly 30 years, <clears> have <throat> seen a number of transactions where we've had um, companies sell their business to another party, in some cases a strategic buyer, that throws the management team out or a financial buyer that did not keep the management team around and the business does not succeed for a lot of the reasons we've mentioned earlier on the program and what we've literally done is help that who was the buyer, the seller become the buyer buying their business back on pennies on the dollar. Wow. Because the, the that ultimate buyer did not follow a lot of the things that we're talking about. Ran, let the company run in the ground and then was able to buy it back and these entrepreneurs then took that business back and then had the same success they had had previously and oftentimes sell it but, but to a, to a buyer that sort of understood the, the value proposition better, did not make the same mistakes. But literally, I've seen that countless times of a wow. seller buying back their company at pennies on the dollar uh, and, and, and then just going back and having the success again. I think the, 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 the great example, but, but on the successful side, it really has been um, where you stay on, within your industry, you know the, the other players in your industry generally. You're not you know, going out, over your skis by trying to say, okay, well, we're we're in the electronics business, now we're going to go into the, the steel industry or something right. like that. You know, just staying within the sector because also when you're in those sectors or those contiguous sectors and that industry knowledge, you know who the other players are too. So you, your tendency to get the people part of it right. And I think that's where we've seen most of the successes is where um, – it starts with relationships that many of our clients have. Because, again, all of our clients will know their industry better than any banker is going to know their industry. Yeah. What we can provide is be a buffer on the in the advisory sense of an M&A deal, be a buffer between the people so that what should be arm's length Financial transactions don 't become personal you don 't want okay. to become personal. Make sure that the negotiations are done for all the right reasons, and you don 't have to uh, necessarily dirty each other 's hands by getting yeah. too much of some of the nitty gritty on certain negotiations. so it plays that role uh, so I think that 's also and then I think on the financing side it's uh, there's, there's so many options uh, and ways to finance a transaction right now that it 's really important that that um, companies consider all of that. And, of course, the other, the other thing, we talk about M&A, it's, it's really important, but one, one thing we always remind successful companies is make sure that they've optimized their capital structure first and foremost. Mm-hmm. If you have a company that is very successful in a very stable market, not growing that much, but is completely under-leveraged, say yeah. leverages less than one times debt to EBITDA, we're saying why not do a dividend recapitalization? Take a dividend, go to three times that EBITDA on your very sustainable, stable cash flow, have that event, put that liquidity event aside for you know, your retirement planning, your mm-hmm. generational planning, and do that. So let's make sure that you don't miss some of the, those easy, low-hanging fruit of, of financial transactions to help a company. Uh, and then I think the other thing is just on, we've done a lot more as the, the, the world is a global economy and a lot of more work with companies that are doing acquisitions across the border and and trying to help on that because obviously the foreign foreign exchange, currency, volatility are big issues there. And so we've been very helpful there as well as being able to walk through what are the nuances of of some international (laughs) transactions as well. And it's been great, particularly in this Philadelphia market, watching some really great family businesses that were – started out literally in garages in the Philadelphia area that are now doing business in 50 countries around the world. And that there, there's nothing more rewarding for a banker <clears throat> to be part of that from some of those early days and see these companies become, you know, north of a billion-dollar, you know, multinational companies. But that that's that's what's rewarding, but it's, it's an opportunity for where a good relationship banker arrayed with good product partner support uh, really focus on what the customer's needs are and what the company and the client's Aspirations are, and really helping them achieve their 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 goals and dreams is, is what makes it this job a lot of fun for for us at Citizens Bank.
0: That's amazing. Um, all of those stories are amazing, from the garage to a uh, multi-billion-dollar multinational, and and I know that it happens. Yes. Um, but you know the driver behind that often is um, beyond skill sets and other things that are, are the cultural implement right. and the, the value structure that, is, you know, is, is well aligned but preserved right. in a way that as you're growing, whether it's organically or not, right. you are retaining the components that have made the business successful to right. begin with, and there are, there are ways to test for that, um, so as you're evaluating the potential target... Right. the lens through which you want to include that evaluation around you know, beyond the, the due diligence and finance and everything else, you, sure. you really want to make sure that the things that have made you successful are non-negotiable right. to retain as you as you move forward and it really sounds like you guys are well positioned to help do that.
3: Yeah, so I mean, the other key point too is confidentiality. It, 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 making sure the process is very confidential and the certain um, information is kept confidential. And I, what I'd say is the middle market is different than the large cap public market. So a a good M&A advisor for a large public company is very different than the right M&A advisor for a good $500 million in sales family business. Um, There's a different sense of how the firms operate Um, with a, a company like Citizens Bank, you're working in a much tighter group of people. The, the information doesn't get shared as broadly. It's a lot, lot closer. So it's all about the right fit, right? Having that financial partner that is, is a comfortable relationship that for the family and the business is really critical. And so for us at Citizens Bank, that's what we strive to do. It's uh, is being relationship-oriented about the customer. It's all about how does the customer succeed. And if our customers succeed, we believe we will succeed on behalf of our shareholders.
0: Well, I know that a large number of our listening audience are, are the owners of managers of middle market companies, and um, are probably very excited to hear that a large um, institution like Citizens Bank is actually a source for them as well. So what's the best way for someone who's contemplating um, the kind of support that you guys provide? You know, how, how do they navigate Citizens Bank to get to the right resource?
3: Sure. That's a that's a, that's a great question. Um I'd uh, be happy to contact me directly um, you know, because I could certainly get uh, the right banker to uh, the right companies uh, among your listeners, Sonia. So again, I'm, I'm daniel.k.fitzpatrick at citizensbank.com. And uh, again, we would welcome the opportunity to have a, a conversation and see if there's any way we could be helpful.
0: All right. So you heard it here first. You can go straight to the president of Citizens <laughs> Bank. <laughs> See what your management team feels about how that. Feels about. But uh, that's that's greatly appreciated, and I think part of the reason why Citizens is such a great partner is that sort of accessibility, uh, the broad scope and sweep of services that you provide that still be accessible.
3: Yeah, and on our website, the CitizensBank.com uh, website also <laughs> does have a you know commercial website where I think things like our uh, m and survey or online, so definitely um, make that all available. It also has a, a number of uh, spots on the website talking about different industry practices and things like that, but of course, we're, we're all you know, ready to help. It's a, it's a hands-on business here.
0: Uh, well, that's great, and the, the survey um, again was called the Citizens Outlook of the Middle Market for 2017. Fascinating read, and um, very informative if this is the place that you find yourself and your business in uh, for this year. So, Uh, I just want to thank everybody for joining us again this week. Um, It's been a tremendous pleasure, Dan, to to talk through these issues with you. This has been a fast hour for me. (laughs) Really great, great conversation. Um, So please, everybody, feel free to join me again next week, uh, again on Voice America's business channel, noon Eastern. Um, Thank you very much, and I'll talk to you next week.
2: Thanks for listening this week. You can tune in live to Beyond Financials, the people side of mergers and acquisitions, every Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Please join your host, Sonia Weigel, again next week.